If you want to follow along with your Bibles, I'll be reading from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I'll be reading in the uh, King James Version. Come unto me, all ye that are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find the rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, church. I want to add, uh, encourage you to add one thing to your prayer list uh, this morning. Uh, Sean Cole Meltzen is a pre-K student at Northside. Uh, he was attacked by a family dog on Friday, and he is in, at this time, in Vanderbilt Hospital. So uh, please remember uh, Sean Cole Meltzen and his family as he recovers from, <clears throat> from those injuries. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to uh, the book of Job, chapter 2, and we'll meet there in just a few minutes. I want to thank our elders and our deacons. And I want to encourage you to pray for each and every one of them. This morning has been exciting to see our elders take the lead in appointing new deacons in declaring to us as the congregation of some special areas of work that have been added and that we want to continue to progress in. And so I want to encourage you uh, to pray for our elders as they can continue to lead and watch over our souls and to pray for our deacons uh, as they continue to um, carry out their areas of work. And also want to issue a challenge to each and every one of us. Uh, these areas of work are added because there's been a need that has been realized and seen. But these areas of work, though there are men who carry those out, they are also dependent on our involvement. And so I want to encourage you, as things are planned, as these men work together and plan things, I want to encourage you, especially uh, if it's in your age group, uh, whether it's Bible classes, uh, whether it's the youth program, the children's uh, program, or whether it's things that uh, have to do with our family. And that's, all, and that's not always just mom, dad, and the kids. That's our church family, okay? And so when those things are planned, pay attention to those things. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to make sure that you're going to be, if all possible, you will be at as many of those activities as possible because there is a need. And that's why these men are being appointed. And so I want to encourage you to pray for that and to be involved in that as well. This morning I want to draw your attention to something. I don't normally do this, but I just want to inform you uh, by way of information. Uh, one of the things that we want to do is we want to try to make our worship services uh, as carried out in as well a fashion as possible. And in doing so, sometimes we are given tools. And we've had tools uh, in our worship service before, but now there are some new tools. You might notice a wider screen. You might notice it's brighter. You also might notice Bradley and I and others that are up here looking in the back because now there's one on the back uh, so that we can see what you guys see and we don't have to be turning around that way. And so I'm thankful for these tools, but I also want to draw your attention to that to say, uh, be patient. 
And these are new tools for us and we're trying to make them the best that we can so that all of our worship experience uh, can be the best that it can be. Uh, so if, uh, uh, if something messes up, uh, just let us know, hey, I couldn't see that or whatever, and we'll try to adjust the best that we can because we're learning on these new tools as well. As we continue thinking about suffering, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about where, why does God allow suffering? And we looked at, uh, we looked at Job. And we looked at some other things. And I appreciate Howard and Dustin filling in last week uh, while, while I was driving the ladies down in Florida last week. And we had a, uh, they had a great ladies retreat, retreat. And it was a blessing uh, to be with them. But I thank Howard and Dustin for filling in. And so a couple weeks ago we talked about suffering. And this morning I want us to think about uh, if suffering is a part of life, how can we help those who are suffering? You know, the older I get, and it's obvious, you look around in life, and there's always someone hurting, isn't there? We see per people hurting everywhere. People are hurting financially. People are hurting uh, physically. People are hurting uh, emotionally and spiritually. Everywhere you look, people are hurting. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what economic state you are in. It doesn't matter what age group you're in. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. People are hurting. So how do we help people who are hurting? That's a great question. And in a minute, I want us to look at some practical um, things that we can do to help those who are hurting. Uh, some practical things that I came across through uh, some counselors and some book on helping those who are hurting. But I want us to first of all look at Job. Turn to your Bibles, if you will, if you already haven't, uh, to, to the book of Job, chapter 2. We're going to notice how uh, Job's condition, and we're going to notice his friend's response to, to Job's condition and his grief. But I want you to notice, uh, we know that Satan has attacked his property. Satan has attacked his family. Uh, Satan now, in chapter 2, has attacked his health. Even, even Job's wife. Uh, Job, Job chapter 2 and verse 9, Job's wife says this, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Wow. You see what Job is facing? The Bible tells us that husbands and wives are helper, helpers compatible to them, to help them in their walk with the Lord. And this is what Job's wife says. And we know the story of Job, but I want to encourage you to go back and read the story of Job. We know how later on in the book, how his friends, when, when they begin speaking, oh, they mess things up. They had no idea what they were talking about. And I wish we had time to look at all those things this morning, but we just do not. And so I want to encourage you to go and look at Job chapter 1. Look at what his friends began to say, and it will teach us things not to say to those who are hurting. But initially, Job's friends were a great help to him. And that's what I want us to notice this morning. Look at Job chapter 2. And I want you to notice verses 11 through 13. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Timnite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. 
For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. I want you to notice here in these few verses, I want you to notice Job's friend's response to his grief. You see, they had a willingness to go and be with Job. Notice again verse 11. Now Job's three friends heard of all the adversity, your Bible may say evil, that had come upon him, and each one came from his own place. Each of his friends decided, we will go and we will be there with Job. Now it's not, we're not very certain where these three friends lived, but it's obvious that they lived some, some far away or some uh, time away and they had to travel to Job. And it's interesting when you think about the term friend. Friend in the Old Testament language is, is stronger than uh, the, friend, the way we use friend today, especially in our social networking society. Uh, for example, notice in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. A man of many companions, we might call these Facebook friends, come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to notice what someone else said about this idea of friend in the Old Testament. A friend is bound to you with bonds of steadfast love. The strong Hebrew word means pledged, unbreakable, covenant love and loyalty. That's what friend meant in Scripture. And Job's friends, they were not fair weather friends. Job's friends were true friends. So much so that when he goes through this calamity and this, this suffering, they decide to go and be with him. And notice what their goal was. At the end of chapter 11, for they had made an appointment, or verse 11, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. That was their goal. That's what they wanted to accomplish by coming and spending time with Job. Someone said this, they come to show him sympathy. That is to enter into and share in his grief and comfort him. That is to find a way to ease his pain. You see, that was the goal of why Job's, Job's true friends traveled to be with him. What an awesome goal. What an awesome thing it must be to have true friends like Job did. But I want you to notice, when they see Job's condition, they had a response. Look at verse 12 and 13. And when they raised their eyes from afar, they did not recognize Him. They lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on its head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw his great grief. When his friends get close to Job, they're moved because 
in a sense, they can't even recognize Job. You remember Job had been afflicted with all these sores over his body. The Bible calls them boils. So much so, and he was in so much pain and affliction that he began to just get relief, take a piece of pottery and scrape those sores. And when those friends, they see him from afar off and they're, they're moved because they can't even recognize hardly their friend Job. It also could be that because of his property had also been touched by these calamities, that they didn't even recognize the landscape of where Job was. And so they weep with their friend. And they show their great sorrow to him. I want you to notice what someone said about this. Literally, they threw dust on their heads heavenward. This gesture expressed the depth of their sorrow at such horrifying affliction. These true friends of Job, they not only felt for him, they not only wanted to enter into his grief, but they wanted in some way to ease his grief. That was their goal. That's what they wanted to do. And they wanted to do that so much so that Scripture says that they sat with him for seven days and for seven nights. Now that seems to be a feat within and of itself, but they didn't even speak a word. What good friends Job had. They were willing to come so far to be with him, to try to enter his grief and ease his pain. So, looking at the story of Job and these friends, and some other information that I came across, what are some practical ways that things that we can do to help hurting people? Now, a couple of sources I looked at, there's, there's about 10 or 12 different things that they suggest, but we don't have time to list all those. I just want to list a few. Number one, be there. Be there. It's important to simply be there for those that we know who are hurting. And these are the kind of friends that Job had so much so that they came from a distance just to be there. Christian counselor Christina Fox, in an article on helping the hurting, she writes, We often think that we need to have something important and inspiring to say to our friends, when sometimes the best thing we can do is just be present. As Romans 12, 15 says, We ought to mourn with those who mourn. When Job experienced his traumatic loss, his friends came and sat with him in silence for seven days. They entered his grief and sorrow, literally sitting in the customary dust and ashes that physically represented the loss he experienced. A friend who has endured great suffering told me that it was helpful for her when people came by to visit. Being surrounded by people who love and care for us can be comforting, she says. However, our visits should come with no expectations and be flexible. There may be times when our physical presence is not helpful. 
If so, we need to be prepared to leave and try again another time. Be there. Simply be there. And Job's friends were there. Do be inclusive. Many times when calamities and difficulties strike, there might be one person that's close to uh, the person that's lost or, or the property that's lost, but generally speaking, there is a family. And all the family is suffering. Now, all in different ways, but they all suffer loss. In his book, Beyond Suffering, Discovering the Message of Job, Helping Those Who Are Hurting, Leighton Talbert writes this, We focus all our attention on Job, but Job's wife lost everything too. Be attentive to background sufferers, he writes. Affliction rarely affects isolated individuals. No sufferer is an island. Surrounding almost any primary sufferer are secondary sufferers, spouses, children, siblings, caretakers. Secondary suffering may be a different kind of suffering, but it can be every bit as acute. So as we're trying to help those who are hurting, uh, let's remember all those who are suffering in that family unit. And let's try to help them the best that we can. Number three, be attentive to the small things. During times of suffering, there are uh, small tasks that to those who are suffering can seem overwhelming. So let's look for opportunities to help with even the small things. Again, Counselor Christina Fox, she writes, When a person is suffering, even the little things can overwhelm. We can pick up the slack, make meals, take phone messages, watch their children, run errands, mow the grass. I asked a friend what helped her most as she faced a hard battle with cancer, and she said it was the notes, text, and even books people sent in the mail that meant the most to her. Another friend, she writes, who lost a spouse, shared with me that it was helpful when a friend answered all the phone calls and took messages. When we invest our time to do even little things for someone who is hurting, it speaks volumes. Be there. Be inclusive. Even look for opportunities to take care of some of the small things. And number four, be patient. You see, everyone deals with pain and suffering in different ways and in different time frames. You know, it was likely that some time had passed from the time that Job experienced these calamities to the time that news traveled to his friends and to the time that his friends got there to be with Job. So Job had likely been alone for a while. But even after that, even after that time, even after that travel time, his friends spent a week, a whole week with Job just saying nothing. Fox also writes in her article on helping others, after a certain amount of time has passed, we might think our friends should have moved on from grief or sorrow. In the story of Job, his wife told him, curse God and die. She wanted him to get over it. 
But some trials linger with people for much of their lives. We need to stick with them for the long haul. Sometimes our loved one may seem to be doing well and then something triggers the pain and grief all over again. We need to remember the great patience and forbearance God has for us and provide the same for our friends. Anniversaries of a loss or tragedy in someone's life are significant. One friend said that sending a card to someone on the anniversary of their loss is helpful. It shows that you have not forgotten. We need to be aware that the wounds may not be seen on the outside even as they feature on the inside. Even after time has passed, those wounds may shrink a bit, but they are still there and they still hurt. So we need to be patient with those who are hurting and suffering loss. And then finally this morning, I want us to remember we need to be prayerful. The most important thing that we can do for those who are hurting is pray for them. You remember what James writes in James chapter 5, verses 13 and following? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Lawton Talbert writes in his book, Remember them which suffer adversity as being yourselves in the body, Hebrews 13.3. It is not a pious cliche to say that prayer is the most effectual ministry you can have to fellow believers in the furnace of affliction. Pray in their shoes. Pray for them as you would want to be prayed for if you were in their circumstances. Find a biblical request that matches their needs and pray it for them thoughtfully. Tell them that you are praying for them and even what you are praying for them. God often instructs us through the trials of others and adjust our own spirits as we pray for them. So how can we help those who are hurting? Be there. Remember all those in that family unit that are suffering. Look for ways we can help them with the small things. Be patient with them. Allow them to grieve, but yet continue to be there. And never, ever, ever forget to continue to be prayerful. And let us also remember, Jesus, He invites all who suffer to Him. We are the instruments of God to share God's love and compassion and mercy on others. But even through that, we do what Jesus has done. And that's we invite people to Him. Because if anyone knows what it's like to suffer, it's Jesus. John tells us, if you ever feel alone, I want you to remember this. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows how you feel. And so it's in that pain and in that suffering and in that difficulty that Jesus invites you to 
come and rely on Him. Remember what Jeff read to us? Matthew chapter 11, verses 28-30. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in the depths of your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, are you burdened? Are you weary? Are you in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ? I realize that this is not the most evangelistic lesson. But we always, always want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Because you see, it's Jesus that understands separation from God and the loneliness that's there. It's Jesus that understands when you suffer loss, when you go through things, it's He that understands. And it's Jesus that gave His life for you. Will you give your life to Him today and die to yourself in that watery grave of baptism to come up out of that watery grave as a new person to walk in newness of life with Jesus on your side. Maybe you're here today. We know there are people that are here in our audience today that are hurting, that have dealt with loss. If that's you, we hope you know that as your church family, we love you. We want to be there for you. Even sometimes we don't necessarily know how. But we want you to know we love you. And if you need us today, if you need us to take time, I know our time is up, but if you need us to take time to pray with you, and to lift you because you are our brother, our sister in Christ to Almighty God to say help our friend, our brother, our sister. Oh God, we stand ready and willing to help you any way we can as together we stand and sing. Stop